Uh, Tory scam is the standard. Someone told me that nothing would make them happier than if I was to go and kill myself. I've also been told that I'm racist. Uh, you're the Tory everyone talks about. You get it everywhere. My name's Jack Kenya. I joined the Conservative Party just over three years ago. My name's Genevieve Kirk and I've been in the Conservative Party for a year now. I'm Hamish Mundell. I've been in the Conservative Party for about five years. Coming from Liverpool originally, I'm, I'm the only Tory in my family. And my mum grew up in Brighton as well, so I don't come from Tory stock. A couple of things that have happened to me as a young Tory is that I've been accused of being a traitor to my gender, a traitor to my... Hello and welcome back again to Trash Future, the podcast where um, <laughs> we are stand in solidarity with young Tories who are called cunts when they walk through the park. I'm Riley. You may remember me from all the ones before this. I'm here in studio with Milo Edwards. Hello. Yeah, it's me, your boy. I mean, if there's one thing I can relate to the Tories on, it's being bullied by children in my local park. So <laughs> uh, thanks for that. It's good to know we all have something in common. <laughs> and uh, I'm also here with Hussein. Uh, I used to get bullied by kids, but then I became the most influential person in London as of today. <laughs> that was actually sealed. That's actually a thing. Um, I don't yeah. know how it happened. You can have to go um, on Love Island now. Yeah. yeah, I have to go on Love Island um, and I have to like join a boy band. I don't know. I just, I've kind of got to do every, I, I'm waiting for like, um, so apparently when you're on this list, the Evening Standard list, you get invited to this party and I can only imagine it's like the Eyes Wide Shut party. <laughs> Wait, but you have to have sex with Fraser Nelson. Yes. Yeah. Ah, damn. It's on some kind of island, the size of which is unconfirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but I hear it's just you have a saintly time. Yeah. Um, and also uh, we have on the boards, Nate Bethay. Nate, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing very well. It's uh, shockingly cold for early October, I believe. I don't know if this is normal British weather. No, it's but pretty it normal. Sucks. It's pretty regular. Yeah. Really? Well, yeah. Sorry, uh, you moved here. I did. Well, so you moved here from New York, which is like famously colder, right? Yeah, but it's it's, it's like ninety degrees in New York today, uh, or Fahrenheit. So it's like it's like mm. what twenty nine, thirty two, something like that. And it sucks. And uh, now coming out of Weather Corner, uh, the weekly weather update, we of course are also joined by Rob Rousseau, a countryman of mine. Rob, hello. Uh, how you going, buddy? I'm doing very well, and. Uh, I have never been bullied in the park because I don't look like a massive twat like most Tories do. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's uh, that the it's that I think it's actually they think they're being bullied for being Tories. Actually, kids are just playing the goose game and learning and imitating their heroes of the of the pixel. <laughs> um, what <laughs> you, you don't know about the emotional goose? Yeah, I was talking about emotional goose at the time. There's a goo There's a game where you play a goose who bullies people, and I'm pretty sure that teens are now copying their behavior from this. Is it a Canadian they're, goose? It's it's they're doing antifa shit because they played the goose game and calling people cunts just because they're wearing full white tie to the park. Canadians like yeah. kill all their geese and then make then made a clothing brand called Canada Goose from it. Indeed. Damn. Ah uh, yes, no no ethical Canada consumption. Maverick's extremely polite co-pilot. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Well, anyway. look, we've got a we've got a packed schedule today. Um, it took me a second. We've got a packed schedule today. Stuff be happening because uh, things are things are happening. Uh, fascism's on the march, which is really annoying. 
It's where and, it loves to be. Yeah, it loves <laughs> to be on the march. But uh, today we're going to review a few of the um, outputs of the Conservative Party conference. And then we're going to leap across uh, the Atlantic Ocean back to my homeland, where also Rob can fill us in on a little bit of what's going on there with woke Bay Justin Trudeau Damn. and uh, even woker, even Bayer, Maxime Bernier. Yeah, everything's going great that? over here. Yeah, we're doing very well. <laughs> totally normal. Uh, good. Excellent. Totally normal and good over here. Oh, okay. So shall I cancel the second two segments then? We'll just do the Tory <laughs> stuff since nothing bad's happening in Canada. Um, all right. So I've got four key highlights from the speeches from the Conservative Party conference. How uh, did you choose just four? Well, because because of the space of, on the page, we could do a whole year of episodes on the different speeches. Did you know that Liz Truss made a whole speech saying that Britain was going to become the, quote, and I quote, ideas factory of the world? Damn, I, mean, I love to work at the idea. I mean, she's factory. right in the sense that, like, the ne- you know, the only logical step for the Tories is to kind of create a brain measure- measuring factory. Yeah, that's true. Well, the ideas factory is actually what produces all the ideas that are then sold at the idea store, which is what the library near our studio is called. Genuinely, <laughs> um, like, how do we get people to go to the library? Let's rebrand it as the idea store. Is it? It's a, it's a cool startup hub where they make various juice juice based appliances. Yeah, exactly. they've actually got an ebook. You don't need an e reader to read. Um, oh, and so what she specifically said is that the more startups like Deliveroo and Revolut we attract, you know, mm. the more just startups that just sound like noises you make with your mouth, um, that when we can invent things like delivery driving and banking. Um, but also what we did mm. was we had Esther McVeigh uh, appear genuinely amazed that some houses were uh, three-dimensional and were designed as such by architects using computers. We're no longer just making plastic models for houses, but not at all. Um, and secondly on the houses I'm running through these quick hits we're going to do a we're going to understand what we mean after housing secretary Robert Jenrick promised to relax building standards <laughs> to allow <laughs> Robert Jenrick of course a normal name a normal name promised to relax building standards to allow extensions of two stories without getting any planning permission at all <laughs> my one story house I yeah. make my my one story house three times the size yes you need <laughs> without planning permission with, you need no planning permission all you have to do uh, is wish it and want it and then make it happen and then you too can build a window box that you can charge a thousand pounds a week to rent out to some like um poor tech worker i'm in favor of this if yeah if it's if it's no uh planning permission or building regulations (laughs) you have to build it yourself those are the rules accept or or deny those are that's your job you build your own fucking like treehouse type shit um i'd love to see it this is more evidence i think that um uh, that con- that the British conservatives are just sort of children. They're just excitable children. Um, because like Matt Hancock lost count of the amount of new hospitals that were going to be built. Initially, it was 40. Then it was 21. And it turns out like 80% of them are in c- Tory marginal seats, which is a yeah. massive coincidence. But there's but, an app involved. Yeah, there is an app involved. Yeah. Um, Rob, I, I, Rob, I wanted to ask you, I'm not really familiar with Canadian conservative- conservatism anymore. Are they as sort of stupid and optimistic as the remaining centrist wing of the Conservative Party in Britain. I I still think there's kind of a schism here in this country where uh, you still have our Conservative Party that are still sort of clinging on to the last vestiges of the sort of respectability politics of this bygone era. Um, So I don't think that conservatives in this country really have kind of gone, kind of, you know, taking a headlong dive into the pure stupidity that you've seen happen in a lot of other countries. And so that as a result, there's been kind of a, 
a schism in the conservative party, which we'll talk about later, which mm-hmm. has led to a kind of an offshoot of people who have been very willing to do just that and go, go even farther, actually. <laughs> mm. Although I think the important thing to note is that there, the what I this this shard of the British Conservative Party, they're stupid, but they're not stupid in the way that Donald Trump is stupid. They're stupid in the way that they genuinely believe a phone can replace a doctor because mm. someone at a trade show told them that Scott that like that the new clinic is located in your pocket. That's not necessarily... And they so, just get, take, get taken in by that kind of thing. From, from my understanding of like... The wallet inspector. What, from, what, from my yes, understanding of yes. what like British conservatives are, like this is a very... This is like not a small contingent of the party, but like the party that's kind of aligned to the Adam Smith Institute, aligned to like... The Instagram these, wing. All, yeah. the, all the, the kind of like youth wing. So like, you know, we've got to talk about like young conservatives at some point. Like the ASI kind of are the ones who hold a lot of these fringe events for young mm. people. And for them, it's like... You know, so we've spoke we've spoken about like Sam Bowman on the show. You know, there'll mm. be guys that will just be like, Yeah, we not only is vaping good, but we should get everyone to vape. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have or, to get preschoolers vaping. Right. Or like renting is good because we have a choice and actually living in exactly. a closet is great. And I love living I love my bathroom that also like doubles as my shower so I can brush my teeth and take a shit at the same time. Renting and I can stand up doing it. And if I if I was to Rob, if I was to sum up this kind of conservatism for you, how I would describe it is I'd go back to Liz Truss, the trade secretary's speech, uh, that she said that the young people of Britain don't want socialism. They're deliveroo they're deliveroo eating, Uber riding, Airbnb ing freedom fighters. The Mau Mau, but if the Mau Mau just loved like chicken dippers. Yeah. <laughs> That's not so, even the dumbest thing Liz Truss has said. Like if you want to do a real highlights reel, you've got to go back to back in the day when it was the whole speech about the pork markets yeah, and the that, cheese. It might be that might be stupid and strange, but this is the essence of British conservatism. It's just yeah. the belief that freedom is the ability to order a burger from McDonald's from your couch. What I really want, and I said this to you yesterday, is I really want Liz Truss and Matt Hancock to fuck. Because I feel like they would they would have a child of such amazing, like optimistic, disruptive proportions that it would just be coming up with like, you know, like a pogo stick that will solve poverty by helping inner city kids jump into entrepreneurship. <laughs> like they are made for each other. They are like the yin and yang of the Instagram's Horries. And I think it's unfortunate that they're not married. I just feel like and this is like super British politics deep cut, but if I were to envision the adult child, the grown up child of Liz Truss and Matt Hancock, it's Don- Dominic Rat. Like it really is Dominic Rab, the karate dad from the home counties, who's going to karate chop cinder blocks on his front lawn to impress all the other dads. That is that is the Tory party. That's where it's mm. heading. We are seeing in Canada a lot of the. We are seeing some of this like irrational conservative uh, uh, overconfidence and optimism, especially when it comes to the climate debate stuff. Uh, because now we have this oh, interesting yeah. situation where they're like the conservative parties are kind of vaguely aware that they have to talk about climate change and they can't just say like, oh, it's not happening and we're not going to do anything. Uh, but they're in this weird situation now. They've kind of twisted themselves into pretzel where they're saying, OK, well, we don't want to do carbon taxes. We don't want to have any kind of environmental regulations whatsoever, but we are going to reduce uh, our emissions and we're going to meet these these targets through innovation i guess and that's never really specified exactly how that's going to work or what that means but they're like this is this should be enough to hold off the the braying hordes of people that are you know clamoring for us to say something about this <laughs> no don't worry we've invented we've invented a new kind of clean energy and it's just in my car <laughs> so hold on <laughs> um, you're telling me it's gonna get hot in canada okay bud <laughs> that was good um 
<laughs> yeah, Thank Milo's you. Milo's good at Milo's that. Milo's dialed in his Canadian impression. I, I mean, it's it's very like prairie provinces, but yeah. he's got it. He's it's got all it based on my former landlord who was Canadian and talked exactly like that. <laughs> True. Uh, was he like Society a Mountie cartoon character uh, by any chance? Just, well, that, that's the thing. <laughs> he's the only Canadian I've ever met who sounded Canadian to that extent. But yeah, yeah he was a banker. No, it, I, it was bizarre. Yeah, he's, a very avuncular man. A very, a very good finance program at the University of Saskatchewan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a, I remember a couple years ago there was like this viral YouTube video that was going around of of a like a young actress doing all kinds of different accents. And just regional accents from all over Britain and all these different places. It was all very well done, like very nuanced. And then she got to the Canadian section. She just and she was like, "Oh, hey, I'm from Toronto, Canada." E, so unbelievably cartoonish. This discrimination against Canadians will end. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, people will stop doing maple face. Yeah, it's not um, just syrup. Yeah, um, but also I want to talk about the dark side of the Conservative Party conference because surprisingly enough, as our as our right wing party slips from covert to overt fascism, it's not all beer and skittles and apps. No. Um, so there sort of three to four sort of, I think, deeply disturbing things came out of the conference and the immediate days after. Uh, Were any of them a picture of Nicholas Soames's dick? No. Okay, no. that's good. That's it. No, nothing can be that bad. So, no. okay, moving forward. Yes. Uh, often described as a key in a wardrobe. Yeah. Um, however... Uh, no, so one of the one of the things was Home Secretary, new Home Secretary under Boris Johnson, uh, Priti Patel's speech, where she said, "Free movement of people will end. This daughter of immigrants needs no lectures from North London's metropolitan liberal elite." And Yikes. I could just—it was like the triple parentheses were just hanging there in the air. We should we should clarify that the overwhelming majority of London's Jewish community is concentrated in the north west part of london but if you say north london liberal elite most british people who know london and the home counties are going to think the jews yeah so cool mm. move from pretty patel i mean there's two ways to think mm. about it because i was thinking about this just now which is that like so she's indian and it north london is very famous for this place called wembley um and mm. where you know wembley is like the mecca for like rich indian people and it's also one of the, in my opinion one of the worst places in the city it so is maybe pretty dire, yeah. maybe she really hates like gujarati people that much <laughs> but like she had them specifically in mind yeah. she really to hates ahishal's parents yeah. <laughs> to which to which i'm like sort of sympathetic because you know i'm also mm. gujarati stock in my family like part of my family in wembley and they suck so I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. Well, I, I was kind of confused like, about this yeah. when I saw this story too, because wasn't there at this Tory conference a, a conference on anti-Semitism that specifically talked about these exact terms and was like, right. don't yes. say this yes, because was. that's definitely anti-Semitic. So obviously, like that's the actual thing here, because what she she what she she doesn't actually mean like rich Indian people. What she means is just like suppose you know, uh, well she means like. Maybe she thought she meant leftist, but actually this is a dog whistle term. Well, that's yeah. that's kind of what, I, what what I've been thinking about, right? Like a lot of and a lot of journalists, like their reaction to Preeti mm. Patel using a big blaring anti-Semitic dog whistle was to say, "Oh, I'm sure she didn't mean it, but she should be more careful with her language." Yeah, Robert, for, pa- Robert Peston, I believe, actually said, um, "If I were her speechwriter, yeah, I would I, change this." Yeah. But I think I think I think the thing was he said, "Take out the North, so people just know it as metropolitan London elite," and then they can be like, that's "I not hate a, elite." Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's, that's not that many anti-Semitic yeah. dog whistle in itself. Well, the, thanks, and, and the cool thing guy. I would point out too, because since as our audience has grown and many of them have become, uh, we now have a lot of American listeners. Mm. I think 
what she thought she was saying. You can look at two ways. One is she's 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 secretly gone full anti-Semitic, but probably I think her speechwriters and her and her delivery thought she was making a subtle jab at Jeremy Corbyn and Diane Abbott, both of whom represent constituencies in North London. However, mm. North London, when you say North London metropolitan elite, you you are basically using Nazi code words and yeah. referring to a geographic location that has a large Jewish population. So I don't say that. Bleeding ignorance here is kind of fucking. And this, yeah. and this is also like coming after week. This is also coming after weeks of. Um, like Tories and kind of Tories and there's like the adjacent journalists who are sort of like having a go at Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell for kind of saying things like hey maybe like cap- you know maybe like financial power is like a bad thing and that we should like do some more things to reduce that mm-hmm. right or the, you know and then I don't know what journalist said it. it might have been like Finkelstein it might have been someone else who was just like oh you know this is this is an anti-Semitic trope because what you're saying is that like bankers have loads of power Mm. Yeah, that that has been the thing where they've been like, oh, bankers, you mean, you're saying the Jews right, have right, power? Right. And it's like, yeah. I think you're saying Without that. realizing, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, by trying to, to point a finger and call and, and say this is anti-Semitism, you're basically saying that implicitly, in your mind, wealth and Judaism are equivalent. But Which is l- doctrinally, like, defi- I don't know, guys. definitionally. Seems a bit, yeah. but, <laughs> seems a bit much. But the thing is, right, like... And this was followed up today by Jacob Rees-Mogg talking about George Soros secretly funding all the anti-Brexit protests. And it's like the, the journalistic community in this country, like the Tories are just telling them, we're the anti-Semitic party. It's us, George Soros, North London Metropolitan Elite. Mm. And they keep trying to like find hidden codes and, you know, um, and what Jer- and Jeremy Corbyn saying he's going to reduce the power of the bankers. But I think the, the thing I also want to focus on about, about this, what Preeti Patel said versus what she meant, is sure, she might have meant she's l- talking about Tony Islington dinner parties of people who live in Corbyn's constituency thinking they know what's best for the nation. But like, even if that's what she thinks she meant, this is a form of political analysis that was developed by the Nazis to make a Nazi point, which is that there are urban degenerates who have brought Germany away from its rigorous, natural, volkish roots with their weird cosmopolitan values. And we, the reactionary party, are going to sweep them away and bring the country back to its vigorous, natural state. And we're going to do that by punishing the people, in the Nazi Germany's case, Jews, in Preeti Patel's case, just people with cosmopolitan values who are usually identified with Jews. We're going to punish them for you, the real people of Britain. And it, like, and this isn't even the first time they've done this. Like Suella Braverman, another Tory frontbencher, was talking about getting rid of the cultural Marxism that was plaguing the country. Like at some point, at some point, I'd love to think that people like Peston are going to stop giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. But I just can't see that happening. Although then again, we're analyzing Pretty Patel here. <laughs> yeah. um, my favorite part of her speech was at the end. She was like, "Would you let Diane Abbott be Home Secretary?" Bearing in mind that, like, right, so Diane Abbott would be Home Secretary if Labour won the election. Pretty Patel is currently Home Secretary. Quick recap on Pretty Patel: In 2011, she went on what the nation's premier politics discussion program, Question Time, and argued that we should bring back hanging. And then in 2016, she was fired for actual treason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Diane Abbott got a math question wrong once. 
So, oh, so, yeah. so, so effectively, Pretty Patel, while ostensibly on vacation in Israel, met with Likud party members with the intention of renegotiating or like activating some sort of diplomatic back channel to try to like improve Britain's relationship with Israel. And she was fired for this because you can't do that. You can't just do freelance you diplomacy. Can't do freelance diplomacy. So, needless to say, the fact that she, the fact that she was even reappointed to a ministerial position, has a lot, a lot of people been like, "Holy fuck!" They're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, but and Diana, then, but Diana so, Abbott had that cheeky G and T on the on the train that time, so it really. Both of these things are the same. Yeah, she did. I know. Yeah. Yeah. They're that's, all the same, right? right? That's that's right. probably yeah. No, left and right. Am I right? <laughs> One uh. wants to bring back hanging. The other, the other had a verbal slip while doing a quick math problem on the radio. <laughs> God, I just wish the sensible center would come back. <laughs> But Damn. I feel like bring back hanging, but in a mathematically costed out way. Uh, and the last thing that happened today, actually, was that Jake Barry, another Tory frontbencher, basically appeared to lose his shit in Parliament and scream Britain first multiple times at the Labour frontbench. Very not, normal. Not only was Britain mm-hmm. first the name of, I believe, a banned neo-Nazi party, but it's mm-hmm. also what Thomas Mayer shouted at Joe Cox, a murdered Labour MP in 2016, before murdering her. It's a very normal stuff. Cool. There's yeah. things that people yeah. say, man. Like, I don't know, you know, don't read yeah. too much into it. It's, it's just like, just look, normal stuff. I, look, the dictionary has tons of words in them. Two of them, one of them's Britain, one of them's first. Like, what are you going to do? Put the dictionary in jail? Because I've actually been reading Jess Phillips's book, and it was my understanding that the guy who killed Joe Cox shouted, I love Jeremy Corbyn immediately <laughs> before he shot Jesus her. Christ. Right? Um, <laughs> that, that, that warrants its own mention that Jess Cox's, or correction, that warrants its own mention that Jess Phillips' book basically uses sleight of hand to make it seem as though a Jeremy Corbyn supporter murdered <laughs> Joe Cox when in fact it was a guy who was further right of not only the Tories but even the DUP like a full on fascist yeah. an like, actual fascist yeah, absolutely been fascist, whipped up yeah. into a frenzy a fascist frenzy like by the right wing newspapers and by the conservative media in mm. the UK right Absolutely, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, during the Leave campaign in which it was, it was the Brexit campaign in which it was presented as basically like, you know, degenerates want to destroy our nation, we'll take back control. Yeah, precisely. Didn't he mm-hmm. even also say take back control uh, as well as Britain said, first? He said death to traitors, freedom for Britain, Britain first, Britain first, Britain first. Oh, fuck's sake. And yeah. the thing is- it three is, times awesome. just so you could just, just so you could just mm. so you know what he's saying? I can't get over the idea that this is going like that all of the, these three things- have made Britain a more dangerous place in the last three days. Well, I just think that 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 Tory frontbencher was reading off the ranking of Wikipedia that says uh, countries with ranked by number of pedophiles per square kilometer. We keep being beaten by this place called Little St. James Island. <laughs> uh, Belgium can no longer dominate us in this ranking. <laughs> but uh, Rob, I was actually going to ask you, it was like this feeling that things are getting whipped into this greater and greater frenzy that things are getting darker and more imminent. Is that something you feel in Canada as well? Uh, Absolutely. But um, like I said, I don't think this has really taken over the mainstream of conservative politics yet. Um, Definitely our conservative parties and our conservative leadership here in Canada are playing footsie with this kind of language and with these kind of extremist groups, Uh, but they've not really been willing to fully uh, go all in on this. Um, but mm. I definitely, I mean, I think just judging by the way the rest of the West is is sliding in this direction, you can easily see the path that that's what what we're on. I do think we're yeah. still a few years behind where you guys are and where the U.S. are, though. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've always thought that like Canadian politics sort of lags American stroke British politics by a few years, right? Like we we are we had our clinton and chrétien we had our george bush and stephen harper we had our obama and trudeau and you know my wonder is like 
I, I think Canada is sort of gerrymandered in such a way that it's actually pretty difficult for conservatives to get outright majorities, right? Well, not necessarily because the, the the electoral system is is quite fucked up. I, I'm not sure if it's the exact same as in UK, but you know we have it's the same kind of parliamentary democracy, but also first past the post with like so it, it leaves the door open for conservative parties to form majorities while only capturing a, a small minority of the vote. Uh, we saw this in 2010 okay. with Stephen Harper, who be, who secured a pretty significant majority then. And I think won like 34% of the popular vote or something like that. I don't have the figures in front of me, but um, that we do oh, great. because the the left is really fractured. Uh, it does lead to a lot of, of like vote splitting and, and issues like this and has often leads to a, a conservatives being able to take advantage of that, uh, which is something that I'm kind of concerned with happening uh, in the next, within the next couple of weeks um, here. Oh no! So, getting into getting into that a little bit, um, I've got. I'd like to go to our next section, which I've entitled in the notes: uh, "Justin Trudeau sucks an entire ass," um, and the whole thing all by himself. The whole thing all all by all by himself. Uh, mm. It's actually all that blackface you thought he was wearing. It's just like it's just a cream he puts on his face so that it can get back to normal after he opens it up wide enough to suck an entire ass. Mm. Um, no, so. One thing I'd like to focus on here, right, is that Justin Trudeau, um, much, much beloved of people I run into in here in Britain who are like, oh, you're from Canada. Ah, oh, you must you must love Justin Trudeau versus that old Donald Trump down south. And I'm like, he's marginally better. <laughs> um, mm. But he is essentially a creation of marketing. Um, and, and can you speak a little more on like how Justin, like what the what the cult of Trudeau is and why everyone seems to hate him? Because um, his hair is so good. Yeah, I mean that's part of it, obviously. But I think it's just what you said. It's it's been a very very carefully curated uh, marketing campaign, basically, and something that he's very very good at. And I guess I give him credit for this is being able to use progressive language in a certain way, talking about environmentalism or talking about indigenous rights or talking about you know economic issues. He's able to kind of very convincingly talk about these things as if he cares about doing the right thing or as if he cares about things like inequality or or you know marginalized communities. Um and he's really good at that. And I think when you compare that to Donald Trump mm. who just openly shits on these communities and and is just disgraceful and awful, it does it can if you're not really paying attention to what the actual policies policies are there, uh it can seem like oh this is obviously much better. Um, but that's mm. that's I think that's been the critique of Trudeau Trudeau uh, from the beginning from from people on the left like me is that that's all it is it all it is is language um, that's the extent of his kind of progressivism and then when it comes down to it the actual policies that are being put in place are you know pro capital uh, he's he's throwing a lot of these marginalized communities under the bus at the same time that he's very kind of has tears in his eyes while he's talking about how they're being you know marginalized and things like this. So I, I think that's the that's why this whole blackface scandal has been so shocking for people because I think for people that believe that marketing campaign, it really flies in the face of everything that's been very very carefully stage managed uh, to of what people believe about Trudeau. I shed a tear as I make an impassioned speech about how terrible it is that we're degrading the environment <laughs> all of the time. I'm slowly spit roasting a bald eagle. <laughs> well, that was the absurd well, thing. He had these again. climate marches the other day, and you know he says yeah. he's he's there 
making nice signs with his kids and marching in the streets about how we're not going to, but it's like, you're in charge, man. What are you protesting right now? You just introduced yourself like, who, who are we protesting? I bet it's some real bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that he didn't just like do blackface? He also like blacked up his body. Oh yeah. On one of his, like, he's he, just, he, a, he's he's just like a bodybuilder. We're protesting some black guy, apparently. <laughs> 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 no, he's uh, he's he's just a bodybuilder. He's doing this to show off his physique. Um, no, mm. but um, so if I, I have this written down here, um, Rob, you sort of you you prefigured this. Uh, and Milo, unfortunately, you did the thing where you lathed of heaven this into existence again. Oh, no. um, <laughs> where Trudeau like loves to praise Greta Thunberg because she came to visit for the climate strike march recently, and he said today we march for our planet, for our kids, and for their future against his own policies. <laughs> We love yes. it. I couldn't change. I'm not going to change the policies, but I am going to march with you about them. Like, do you know how awful Justin Trudeau is? The only person that like M.A. Therese accurately describes as a liberal is him. He's the only he, when she talks about caricaturing liberals, she's talking about Justin Trudeau. Right. I, mean, that's what, I mean, that's why they all like had a field day when the black the, the blackface stuff came out. Right. Because mm. it was just like, um, you know, uh, when you look at like the rebel media stuff, like the Gavin McKinnis things where they, they talk about Canada, it's just like bo- usually like boring as shit, but they really had a field day hey. with him. <laughs> I'm, I, you know what, actually, just before we continue, like you kind of, you know, oh, yeah, I, you are Canadian. I am a Canadian as well. <laughs> I, um, I may not be as Canadian as like Riley or Rob, but Ooh. I do have a passport. Mm. Which says <laughs> so, so I'm allowed to like shit, shit on at least like part of the Zane's original name is Jean Luc Dubastard. <laughs> um, but no, but like, that was the thing because like you know they really had a field day with him because they, I guess they were like waiting for him to fuck up, and not only did he fuck up, but he like really fucked up, like truly. And I just find it really funny that like the way he the way he did it was by like getting too enthusiastic about blackface <laughs> he, lo- he loves to do blackface it's really he, well, no. did, he, did he say something like oh I, just, I, I, I can't help going a bit over the top yeah, really enthusiastic <laughs> about costumes yeah. like that. Sorry, what that means yeah. is if, if he says that he's addicted to blackface making fun of him for doing blackface is ableist okay oh damn uh, he might, if he'd have been Dutch Prime Minister none of this would have been a problem <laughs> is he a beloved family character but, but you know what was really bizarre as well I know, I'm sorry like, I'm, sure, I'm sure like Rob will kind of talk more about but um, what was really bizarre was when those blackface photos came out. You had guys like Maxime Bernier, um, who's the other, who's the one who's like the main, the main conservative party guy, Rob Andrew Shear. Who's the who's the other con- Andrew Shear? Yeah, who like did these videos which were like, this is not what Canada is about. Like, you know, we're a place of like, you know, equality and like we do yellow face. <laughs> I thought that would be like a really offensive meme, the merciless costume. <laughs> Right, and it was all of a sudden like these guys who like are on fucking platforms, which are like we're gonna end multiculturalism and we're gonna let everyone say the n word, especially if like you know you come from, you know if you come from a place where like there's still indigenous people around. Um, and by the way, everything in Canada is fine, etc. Like um, they were using like the language of social justice and the language mm. that like Justin Trudeau kind of rose to ascendancy on at least on an international stage doing that it's almost as though pure pure identity politics without a class element is empty i'm just gonna do the thing that everyone hates but that i i have to do it and this time instead of me just recapping twitter i'm recapping a tweet by a person friend of the show at argument winner from beep beep lettuce but he had a tweet where it was juxtaposing two photos one was justin trudeau in blackface the other was justin trudeau at the holy celebration where he was like wearing like the the yellow sash on his head Mm -hmm. and it basically says guys before and after they get the check mark (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. Well, that's another um, oh, thing too. Is that, that, like, that, I mean, his whole affinity for costumes and doing that that weird namaste shit. That I mean, that is also fucking racist too. Uh, so it's, it's kind of funny is that yeah, I mean, he's it's... kind of pretending to you know b- before you know this wasn't an issue, but it's been an issue with him for uh, you know for a while now. Yeah. Um, so I have to say though, credit where it's due on the climate change stuff. There has never been a more radical centrist policy than having a bad policy and then protesting it. <laughs> That's centrism, baby. Exactly. It's a compromise. <laughs> it's like we're going to do freedom of cap- free- capital's free to do what it wants with the pipelines, mm. but we are. I'm so free to protest it that I'm going to hold up a big sign that says no, thank you. <laughs> um, so this is here's some more of Trudeau on the environment. After after be running on and getting elected by calling Stephen Harper's emissions targets the weakest in the world, um, the government very then, bad emissions targets. Very sad, actually. Very no weak. one no one's going to those emissions targets Christmas parties anymore. No, no. longer hot. Um, <laughs> the Trudeau government first decided to stick with the same target for the for uh, those. Um, for re- emissions reduction upon get, getting in office, then is on track to was to miss them by 37% last year and is going to miss them by more this year. Well, that's so what I'm talking about when it's, when it's just worse. all about language and words too, because while Harper was kind of openly contemptuous of this kind of stuff, Trudeau says, you know, we pledge to hit these Paris targets and that's supposed to be enough, just saying that we're going to do it, but we're not actually mm. doing anything, making any actual changes that are going to allow us to hit these targets. Mm. But he wants to get the same well, amount of he- credit just for saying that we're going to. Well, he's actually protesting Stephen Harper's weak targets by deliberately missing them by 37% to show what bad targets he thinks they are. Yeah, that'll show the conservatives. That's called 4D chess, Um, okay? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's called called eight-dimensional 13 dead-end drive. Mm. Yeah. and when it was then raised to him that this was a hypocrite, that like his praise of Greta Thunberg and marching with her and stuff was hypocritical based on his habit of ramming pipelines across the entire country, he defended himself by saying that we have a national, this is quote, we have a national climate plan that will reduce our emissions to, to, and hit our 2030 targets in a way that also includes getting a better price for our oil resources that allows us to put those profits directly into the fight against climate change. And there's just a big glowing red somehow above that. Like, oh, Mm. trust us. Don't worry. We're we're going to what if we block out the sun with all of the oil smoke and then problem solved. I just am laughing at the idea of Justin Trudeau playing 4D chess, but the board, every single figure as a gollywog. (laughs) Justin Trudeau does Operation Darkstorm from the Matrix by doing by burning all the tar sands and then no one can see him in blackface. He becomes the the ultimate stealth prime minister. (laughs) The white pieces are in blackface and the black pieces are in white face. (laughs) Wow. Is this the Joker movie? (laughs) We do live in a society. An agent of chaos. Yeah. Um, And uh, so, you know, this is why like. This is why someone like Trudeau is just immune to someone like Greta Thunberg, because Thunberg is saying, no, you're not doing enough. You must do more. It is. I, I do not want your praise. and I'm embarrassed to be. I'm embarrassed for you, essentially. And he then promised we're going to plant two billion trees. Great. You know, it seems mm. so paltry. And you can do it via an app. Damn. Yeah. I bet you Plans fucking will. There is, there, is an app, there is an app. There's like one of those apps, right? It's like Wait, a product- is there? Yeah. So there's like a productivity app where like, I think... I think I can't remember what it is, but like I know there's definitely an app where like the amount of time you spend on it, the company who makes it promises to grow a tree. Ugh. 
So like, if you spend if you spend like a day on there, then it'll plant one tree or something like that. Well, I think we've solved this whole <sighs> climate change thing. We can all go home now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just just crack open a beer because we're good. <laughs> yeah, let's, hey, let's relax Canadian style. I'll get the shoe polish. I mean, that is effectively like that is like a that is like a, our boots. That is like a spectator article like waiting to happen, right? It's like why are governments like getting involved in climate change when the app people are doing it for us? Yeah, the market should sort it out. You know, no, well, that it goes back to more the whole like innovation article. thing. It's just that you know, using innovation is just this magic word that means nothing and everything at the same time. And mm. you know, we're not going like to actually do anything to change our society and and change away and to make any kind of change away from like ex- vicious uh, extraction capitalism. But through innovation, yeah. uh, that's going to well, just get yeah. us there. And we'll we'll fill in the blanks later. It's going to be like a environmental Mad Libs or something. <laughs> <laughs> If oh. consumers don't wish to be cooked to death by the planet, then they will simply choose to live on a different planet, which yeah. is less hot, <laughs> <laughs> such as Neptune. Um, incidentally, <laughs> incidentally, by the way, I saw an op-ed on Greta uh, Thunberg in The Sun recently, where she was described as having a, quote, disheartening effect on children. And Damn. what I enjoyed about that is that that's just that's literally just a line from the show Futurama <laughs> because in their episode about a giant ball of garbage that was launched away from the Earth coming back to hit the Earth. That's just a thinly veiled metaphor for climate change. And the line is as follows. Finally, in 2052, New New York used its mob connections to obtain a rocket and launch the garbage all into outer space. Some experts claim the ball might return to Earth someday, but their concerns were dismissed as, quote, depressing. That children are going to be demoralized by another child reminding them that they're going to die from climate change. It's like... Damn, mm. maybe we should just shut that child up and then none of the other kids are going to have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, look at Trudeau. He's got a sign. He's got a sign saying that the children are the future, but the children, crucially, are the future, not now. I keep I keep noticing this, though, because, I mean, obviously, like, there's a whole thing with, with in the UK with, um like, dumb asshole, like, concern troll people who also happen to be, like, political or journalism figures. David Vance is coming to mind as yeah. guy from Northern Ireland who I believe is involved in politics because he's a huge piece of shit and just now kind of reinvented himself as just, like, the bottom, like, feeding-ass troll, one of the worst. But he he had something about Greta Thunberg, and he had something about Brexit protests, and basically comparing them to saying, like, oh, well, in, in 1916, 15-year-olds, and he has, like, a headstone of a child soldier who died in the First World War, and now it's children protesting. It's like, hmm, what a bunch of whiners. And it's like, so what you're effectively saying is, we children, should know- society. <laughs> children should know their place <laughs> by dying in trench warfare, because if they protest the future, then they're, they're thinking that they can speak instead of their elders and betters. And it's like, well, your elders and betters are fucking stupid. Apparently, they've just been kind of sitting on the fact that we're melting the earth for the last 40 years. And at this point, like, the best we can do is damage mitigation. And so, like, the idea that, like, oh, well, you're upsetting my children who will then grow into adults who won't do shit about this. Like, it just seems so self-defeating. And so, it's like, the only way to please these people is to not make them uncomfortable and to do nothing that affects their quality of life or their, I their lifestyle. But, I can't but, help but notice that you're complaining about not having a future from your iPhone a hypocrisy much <laughs> <laughs> but also like look that whether it's trudeau saying that he's going to do the policies but march with you against them and give you sort of a high five or like david vance saying oh just shut up and die already they're treating people who want to avoid the earth burning to death with the same amount of contempt it's mm. just justin trudeau's nice about it yeah, yeah. well and that, and that happens a lot too in the united states I and mean, obviously like things have changed a little bit with regard to like the current push to impeach trump but for the longest time it would just be you know senators you know, senior figures in the House of Representatives, governors, et cetera, people being on on uh, on Twitter, on social media, just like this isn't who you are, who we are. And it's like, 
If only someone could fucking do something about it. Who could that possibly be? And instead, it's just, it's the same thing that you were talking about, Rob. It's the idea that doing like the really empathetic sounding public appearance or worse, just social media post is a substitute for actually doing something as a politician who's been elected to fucking be in charge of the government. Although, I have to really respect David Vance for the admittedly bold take of 15-year-olds being killed by industrialized machine gun fire is good, actually. <laughs> like, I really respect the boldness of that as a gambit. Um, well, when the water wars but, finally get here, then this guy will get his wish, and then that will be the appropriate time then that we can then mm. talk about uh, climate change. <laughs> well, it's look, it's look. This I'm is what used we used to drink in my own pus. I'll be fine. <laughs> look, we can't, we can't talk about climate change until the UK is a desert, uh, and we can't talk about fascism until you specifically are being rounded up. Once mm. you're rounded up, then you can talk about fascism. Until then, it's politically impolite and disrespectful to the real victims it's of fascism. But it's also rude. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to, I'd like to, if we, if we're all done on on woke daddy Trudeau, who's just going to go the way, who's basically political we work. You know, he's he was an electoral fraud that was built up on a lot of hype and and fake good vibes, and is now just ba- c- crashing mm. and burning in public. Excellent flavored water, though. <laughs> yeah, his house is full of cucumber like yeah. motivational messages. Justin Trudeau can close down because people kept taking the free snacks. Although I will say though <laughs> that I'm not ready to write him off in this election i think there is a a still a chance that he will form the next government in this country maybe a minority government um i've always kind of been running under the assumption even before all this kind of scandal happened that the conservatives would win just because it's in keeping with the general trend of everything constantly getting worse everywhere but there are a lot of compelling Mm. reasons why that people have pointed out to me why he probably will uh win the next election but um, mm-hmm. so it, it's not certainly a guarantee, but I don't think he's he's completely finished yet, uh, even if we are ultimately headed in that direction. I think even if even if in this coming Canadian election, he does manage to hold on to power, it really is just going to be delaying the inevitable. Um, speaking of the inevitable, uh, I think I'd like to move on now to discuss the Canadian People's Party, the offshoot from the Conservative Party. Um, that decided they were going to be dedicated to classical liberalism, free speech, free markets, and smart populism. Mm. That mm. that could all just like and deep state pedophile one word also. that begins with oh, wait, an N. Wait, uh, <laughs> mate, play, mate, play the breaking news sting. Oh, I'll play it. Uh, breaking news! Breaking news! Breaking news! Uh, the former leader of a U.S. neo-Nazi group, a former member of the Nazi group Soldiers of Odin, and a member of Pegida Canada, another Nazi group, walk into um, a bar, were among those signatures that were submitted to Elections Canada last year to officially register the People's Party of Canada. What the ding dang heck? I thought they were a classical liberal party dedicated to free speech, free markets, and smart populism. What are all these Nazis doing in there? Rob, can you help us out? Um, yeah, I can try. Uh, basically, the People's Party of Canada uh, was started. Um, I think it was earlier this year by this guy Maxim Bernier, who was it when the Conservative Party was electing a new leader um, a couple years back. He finished second to the eventual leader Andrew Scheer, um, and ended up leaving the Conservative Party to start the People's Party of Canada. And like I was saying before, while Scheer and the Conservatives have definitely been willing to play footsie with with certain extremist ideas and extremist groups. 
for instance, Shears campaign managers, this guy, Hamish Mitchell, who is, was a former board member of Rebel Media, which is basically like Canadian Infowars. So I don't want to downplay the, the current conservative government's ties to extremism, but um, they've been at least like coy about this, whereas Bernier and the People's Party of Canada has just gone all in on this fully kind of alt-right platform, um, really going just diving headlong into this. Uh, they've got people running in this current election that are like, QAnon conspiracy theory YouTubers. Uh, there's a guy running in Atlantic Canada for a, a provincial for like a as a to be a member of Parliament who's known as Canada's Red Pill. <laughs> and he's like, he's like if, you, if you look at the if you look at his YouTube page, it's like the same design aesthetic of that guy that sent all those pipe bombs to Democratic uh, officials a couple a couple of months ago. How many of them are former strippers? <laughs> that I do not know. Um, but my my conspiracy. My conspiracy theory about this, actually, that this has all been kind of a false flag and that really this whole thing has been a way for the conservative movement to openly court these extremist uh, groups, these cons- psychotic conspiracy theorists and racists, while keeping like mm. a degree of separation and keeping that sort of degree of respectability politics there. Um, but it has been a way definitely to mainstream really extreme right wing ideas, really fascist ideas. Uh, and it's, it's working very well. I mean, we've got, we're going to have a leadership debate with Bernier, uh, to like, even despite the objections of a lot of activists and people that don't want him to, to don't want to give this guy a fucking platform. Um, so uh, Mm -hmm. if that, I mean, their whole strategy is working really well. I don't know how many seats the PPC is going to win in this coming election. Uh, but it has been pulling at 3%, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's still technically a fringe group. But they get a ton of uh, of media coverage, and um, a lot of these extremist ideas that I think even a couple years ago would have been completely like verboten and and to talk about in sort of polite society, have now been kind of completely mainstreamed. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that like this should show us is that a, there I think there are still quite a few people in the UK and US who think that if Trump had just been beaten in that primary. Or if Brexit, the, the 2016 referendum had just gone the other way or whatever, that they could have put the far right extremism genie back in the bottle. And I think the mm. fact that, that Maxime Bernier ran for this leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada and lost and then just formed his own party that kept the far right genie sort of pumping out like the media, pumping out in the media shows that like, no, this genie's here. You can't just beat it electorally once and then it's gone. It's a much larger thing. Well, I also want to point out that there's this tendency, and I know Americans have it or had it, and I believe Canadians have it too. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with a friend who, who's Canadian, but who grew up in Israel and then moved to Canada as a teenager. She was freaked out when Donald Trump seemed to be making headway in the primary. She was living in New York at the time. And the point that she made was that Donald Trump didn't seem that different in his approach, not necessarily in his personality, but in his political approach to Benjamin Netanyahu. And the point was when when Trump, when there was an, uh, an election in Israel in early 2016, so basically before Trump won, obviously, before the Brexit referendum, and people in the US were commenting like, wow, Netanyahu went full racist. That would never fly in America. He was doing robocalls about like the the Muslim Obama is telling you to go telling the Arabs to all go vote for joint list. Like it was a full racist campaign. But Americans believed, hey, we're we're better than that. That wouldn't fly. That could never happen. And then Trump did it and he won. And I, I believe like there's a similar problem here in the sense that 
you know, it's not that that, that Israel was the um, the the standard bearer for this because I think it happens in a lot of places. You look at what's how how Russia has degenerated under Putin. You look at places like Hungary that were nominally more liberal democrat in a sense or liberal and democratic uh, that have become mm-hmm. more authoritarian. But I think that there is this tendency amongst a lot of people to say this couldn't happen to us because our political system or our politics or our sort of national mm. unity is stronger than X place. But Canada and the United States are pretty similar, barring a couple of key differences. And so the idea that you can't have fascists, you can't have fascism or like fascism light, when you already have a lot of far right figures in America who are from Canada, like clearly mm. that thought process is there. Oh, we've, and clearly we've been the there's racist some thought leaders for the, for the alt right, definitely. <laughs> Think influencers. So, so to me, in a sense, like I, I, that's one of the things that concerns me. And, and I, I'm interested in what you think about this, Rob, that I feel like the problem, or a problem perhaps, is that there are people who are a little bit complacent about the fact that this stuff is more popular than it's, you're going to assume from the way that, let's say, people on TV and people in the public eye will treat it. Absolutely. And I think, uh, like when I was talking about sort of Trudeau's carefully curated um, marketing campaign, it's not just about him, it's about Canada as well. I think there's a lot of people. Uh, around the world in the US and elsewhere, but also a lot of people in Canada who really believe this idea that Canada is this kind of like post-racial, uh, you know, socialist utopia where we don't have these issues like that. And that's what I think something that's really been exposed both with the kind of like influx uh, in America of these like Canadian alt-right people that have been helping to lead that movement. And also what we've seen a lot over the last year or so in this country with the PPC and with the reaction to uh, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who was the first person of color to ever lead a federal uh, party in this country. Um, and so people were Actually, kind of, that's Justin Trudeau still. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Sorry. Sorry. How could the prime minister be a racist when he has on multiple occasions tried to make himself black? Well, that's why. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I sorry. did a bit on my show when this came out that really this, uh, people were overreacting. Really, it was just an act of radical empathy. Okay. And that was, that was the whole black thing. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, yes. It's just like yeah, walking you, a mile in another man's Jack shoes. You know, how are you supposed to understand what these other cultures go through unless you, you know. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, um, that is, I think, has been a rude awakening for a lot of people in this country and elsewhere to realize that like, oh, actually, we're not, you know, it's so easy to think when we're when we're just so close to the United States, people are very, very willing to just look at the absolute shit show that's constantly going on down there and say, you know, we're so much better than that. And these these problems of racial division and, and class inequality, you know, that just doesn't exist here to the same extent. And people have like people have really convinced themselves of this. And I, I think up until quite recently, I I kind of count myself as one of these people too. But I think that's something that a lot of people are starting to realize is that oh, we're actually not better, and we do have a lot of the same a lot of these same issues. So to um to look at how some of these are getting cashed out i actually have assembled what i think what i believe to be the people's party of canada platform from a couple of different sources uh so we're going to read out some of their policies now no this does not count as platforming them uh for Mm. reasons um so the people's party is the only one that will reduce immigration to a sustainable level from three hundred fifty thousand per year to a maximum of 150,000 and close the border to false refugees what Yes, yes, that classic yes. thing no, that exists that we, all, that we all know about. Yeah. 
yeah. so I will say that this is a thing with insane British right wing people who are always convinced that everyone who's a refugee is actually lying. Like you'll see this a lot. So no surprise that Canada does this too. It's like, oh, that person's not a couldn't possibly be a refugee. I just imagined them holding a phone and driving a Mercedes. It's, yeah. it's another one of those mischievous Saracens that keeps yeah. selling me different types yeah. of of soupy beverages. <laughs> this isn't a real refugee. This turban comes right off. And sorry, before you go sorry, on go too, I, I think this is something also to point out about Trudeau when I'm talking about language. This has been another big thing as well because we've seen Trump kind of overly rely on these racist tropes. Uh, you had the weekend of the the Muslim ban. Uh, Trudeau kind of put out this now somewhat infamous Instagram post where he said, oh, everyone's welcome here and really kind of made this this specific contrast to Trump's policies. Nothing actually about our immigration system changed in that time. He didn't actually like make any effort to help any of the people that were being affected there. He didn't. I mean, people have been have been activists have been have been really working to try and get him to close the or to cancel the safe third country agreement that would like allow refugees to pass through the United States and land in Canada. But because of the the agreement and because the United States is technically like a safe country, even though we we can all clearly see that it's not uh, given the, you know, fucking concentration camps that are now being built along along the southern United States border. Uh, so that's another incident where Trudeau has been has used this progressive language about refugees, but have, we've not treated refugees any differently. And um, I think that's another huge element of hypocrisy in, in what he's what he's done. But sorry, you can go. I interrupted. Well, you can it, go on with the PPC uh, platform. No, of course, not at all. But it's like I think when we when we look at this, this is why something like the PPC is such a dangerous political force because you know that this isn't marketing. This is what they want to do. Like there is probably going to be, there will probably be very few broken promises in terms of the cruelty that they're going to be able to inflict. Like if they say we're going to be cruel, they're not going to be like Trudeau and be like, oh well, we didn't find enough budget for all of the for the shock callers for the refugees that were coming over. Sorry, everybody. Like no, they'll because the people who vote for the PPC would accept higher taxes only to torture people that they don't like. Um, in fact. And so, in fact, here's the other thing: the PPC will end official multiculturalism. Which I I thought was just uh, like recognition that there are that there are two cultures and two nations in Canada, um, and the constant glorification of diversity will reject political correctness. We're not afraid to oppose radical Islam and will protect free speech. So I guess Brendan O'Neill got into writing the uh, platform so somehow. So when you say oppose multiculturalism, are they saying we refuse to give the French language parody? Or are they saying we hate brown people? I think they mean the brown people thing. Yeah, because I mean. F- but like official multiculturalism, and Rob, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like that's derived from Canada having like two foundational cultures uh, from its European settler colonial past, right? Yeah, that's just pure coded language. Like it's all just about you know keeping the keeping the brown people out of the country. Um, when they when they talk further, about it, yes, further, originally it's about the yeah. the language separation, but that's no. When they talk about it, that's certainly not what they're referring to. That's yeah. what I figured. Yeah, because I mean, they, and that seems to me like like the very classic right wing sort of thing where they can, if if pressed on it by enough people, they can be like, "Oh, we don't mean that. We just mean we want English to be supreme. We just but, like Quebec. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we fucking well, hate Quebec." Here's the weird thing. Also, they're like, "We're not going to be afraid to oppose Islam," and it's like Justin Trudeau's literally. Helping bomb Yemen into dust Like Justin Trudeau has done more to hurt more Muslim people than anyone from the PPC Ever has like they dream Of his ability to hurt and to Destroy the lives of Muslim people 
Damn, the Chad Trudeau versus the Virgin um, <laughs> Michelle Maxime Barnier. Barnier. Yeah, Michelle, Maxime Barnier. Michelle Ma- Barnier, different dude, to be fair. <laughs> different guy. <laughs> different guy. Michelle Barnier, very different dude. <laughs> Thinking about and too also many guys, Monsieur Garnier, also different guy. <laughs> Michelle Barnier also causes a lot of suffering for a lot of brown people, though. But with the uh, EU southern border policy, liberalism's not good, folks. So, so a, question, a question that I have is obviously, like, Jagmeet Singh is head of the NDP, right? Yes. And they're kind of like the main left-wing party in canada in theory yes um <laughs> in theory um from what i've seen jagmeet singh also like seems to be like a master of marketing in like a particular way and like he's got a very big at least like diasporic like fan base how does he kind of well number one what how is he how how is he being received in canada um because i know like in vancouver which is like where my family are like the ndp i think are at least where they are like the ndp is kind of the ruling party there um, but how is he being received there and like how is he being how does he fit in in this context of like having a party that like oppo- basically opposes like his existence let alone his kind of leadership of a Canadian national party well it's been kind of interesting because he, so he started this election at a really significant kind of polling deficit and a lot of that is has to do this is something that I complain about like pretty much constantly on my podcast how the NDP um, in general, and also since he assumed leadership, has just been really uh, unwilling, for whatever reason, to really position themselves as like a legitimate alternative, and to outflank the liberals mm-hmm. on the left, and and really point out the ways that the liberals have been failing people, and the way that you know they're kind of rejecting this this like unending uh, liberal conservative hegemony. Um, I think as this campaign has started, and people are seeing him. Uh, you know, talk and people, he's a really a likable guy. And I think he's much more genuine than Trudeau is like definitely has that kind of marketing campaign element, but I don't think he's full of shit to the same extent that Trudeau is, uh, you know, he's genuine, mm. he's likable. He t- can talk about, about issues of racism and multiculturalism, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it's just empty words because he's got a story behind it and he's got actual, you know, feelings behind it. And so I I like Jagmeet Singh a lot, and I think uh, you know he is really likable and and charismatic. But I don't think in general the NDP has done enough to really put forth a really kind of different vision for what they could do if they were leading the government. Uh, there there there's some stuff in their platform that's pretty good, but uh, to me that there's still an element. There's kind of an uh, NDP establishment that really doesn't want the party mm. to be anything other than like liberal party light basically. And you have plenty of activists that really want to push them into that, like really bold kind of progressive direction, really kind of return to the social democratic roots. Um, and there's certainly there, there's activists in the N- and the NDP and, and, and members of parliament in the NDP that are quite good, but overall it's just, they've been very directionless and they've never really been able to, to fully take that step into that, into that um, direction. So I, I don't think the problem is really Singh. I think he's a likable guy and he, he's, he's, I think he's a, especially in the Trump era, I think it's a really powerful image to have a, a, a person of color be the leader of the leader of the party, especially like a religious minority like that. So you cut out for a few seconds there, but I assume you were talking about Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I keep on doing Justin Trudeau erasure. So I apologize. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> my follow-up question is like, are the candidates just waiting for like the Drake touch? 
<laughs> or like is it or is there like an equivalent well, I don't know to any of the candidates no. are that young no, no, or or or, <laughs> or, Got him. or or is there is there is there, a, is, is there an equivalent of a Drake curse? Because you know that like, with Drake curse, like where, whenever like he watched like basketball sure, yeah. games, the team would lose. Although his mm. team did win so, the NBA championship this year, so maybe that broke the Drake curse forever. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Much maybe. to my delight. So now, uh, now then there's now, Drake's drum. Oh, that's a different thing. Now Drake gets to <laughs> no, he gets to be NBA uh, commissioner. So here's the, some more of the policies, and then we'll go into the National Post thing. So the PPC opposes all climate alarmism and will not increase taxes or regulation to fight global warming in any way. Cool. So the PPC is going to ensure that we all die Love soon. Mm. I, I get not like the other part of the parties where kind of trapping us in sort of yeah, some we'll kind of prison of immortality, but we'll get to live really cool lives and like the smog that like basically will encompass our existence. We'll make like really good Instagram pictures, so we won't really need filters. Oh yeah, we're always we're going to have that acid rain look. It's going to be great. Well, isn't actually? I mean, obviously this isn't something you should do, but I mean, isn't actually Canada one of like one of the only countries on Earth that will become more habitable as a result of climate change? I uh, think. Yeah. So why would the PPC fight it? Well, exactly. Because you know, other people live in other places, but they're not Canadians. So yes. also, also exactly. maybe it's Check woke because once our skin all melts off, there will be no more racism, right? <laughs> we'll all look the exact same. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> all the people, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Like they want to end multiculturalism by encouraging global warming to melt all our skin off, so we don't have to worry about all these grievance there studies. People, I don't see what everyone's complaining about. This seems okay to me. In fact, I also saw there's also a post a. A billboard put up by um, by Maxime Bernier just saw um, that says a vote for the PPC is a vote against Antifa. So it's against anti-fascism. Yeah. So it's fa. It's fa. <laughs> it's it's fa. No, no, that's that's in, that's, that's international soup. Sorry, they wouldn't yeah, like that. No, no, that's multiculturalism. No. It's for um, noodle noodle crusties, the ancient, the old British dish. We're gonna get back. You know, what the PPC feels like to me. There's a bar in Toronto called the Queen and Beaver Public House, one of the world's <laughs> worst named businesses. Noodle noodle crusties is what I call my online directory of Tory dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just the cabinet makers. No, it's just Soames. Um, and uh, it's just it's this there's there seems to just be this desire, I guess, to um to just do a do a sort of slightly Canadianized carbon copy of just all the other things we see out in the world. And we do seem to really just we really do, I do love to like grab all of the anti antifa anti grievance study stuff and package it up in our own polite way. In many ways, blackface Trudeau is just a carbon copy of regular Trudeau. <laughs> in many ways. So, uh, so here's some more. Um. Provinces should have the autonomy to experiment with their healthcare systems and solve our long waiting lists for surgery. So, private experiment. <laughs> yeah. So, you what know, if we try, oh, this guy, this guy's kidneys don't work, and this other guy's heart doesn't work. So, what if we sewed them together? Yeah. It's <laughs> a kind of hubris, human centipede. Can- Canada has actually managed to hire a lot of very creative doctors from Argentina. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dr. Jose Mengele. Yeah. And, uh, but also, like, this is just, this is, this is just code for privatization, basically, right? Where it's like oh we want to be able to sell off this you know surgery to nestle presents the emergency room (laughs) yeah absolutely and next one is use article 92 of our constitution to ensure pipelines all get built um Mm. so we're gonna put a pipeline from every oil deposit to every house all of canada will be pipelines it'll be it'll be mario's heaven yeah it was weird it was also jay-z's 90 second problem (laughs) 
Uh, also, uh, we will reduce Canada's presence in corrupt UN institutions to a minimum. Again, the UN is one of UN is one of those institutions that I hate makes me defend it because the world's worst people are always attacking it. The UN mm. is ridiculously corrupt by and large. It most it is pretty bad for most countries. But the fact that he wants to withdraw from it so he can what. I don't know what do crimes against humanity with yeah, it's not less so oversight. It can be like do less crimes against humanity, is it? It's not yeah. for that reason. It's the same thing with like the like the the Lexit shit about leaving the European Union. Like, oh well, if we leave the European Union, we could be more socialist. Like, yeah, theoretically, but in reality, what we could more likely be is a lot more fascist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the final one uh, is defund the CBC. So I don't know, like Comic Book Club. D- D- oh no! <laughs> how how I, I used to watch. I used to use the CBC to be able to watch four to six episodes of The Simpsons a day when I was in in school, and so I'm very worried about it getting defunded. And look how you turned out. Uh, I don't know, man. Like the CBC has got. Uh, Rob, what do you think about defunding the CBC? Well, this is this has been this is like a right wing trope that we've seen play out all over too. Where, um, I mean, conservatives had can have convinced themselves that. The CBC, our like publicly funded broadcaster, is this like communist, uh, you know, far left uh, or or liberal, which they think is the same thing for some reason. Mm. Uh, they think it's just this yeah. like. Well, this why does it stand state- for communist broadcasting communism? I wish it did. <laughs> um, but so <laughs> what the result has been is that the CBC is like bent over backwards to try and like hire conservatives and and appear to be more balanced. And it's this exact same oh kind of God. work the ref strategy that conservatives have used very very successfully in the United States. Um, so, but that's the same thing. They've kind of convinced themselves that it's this kind of subversive, uh, like pirate, uh, socialist radio outlet, uh, when really it's just completely like, kind of like a very, very middling liberal, uh, centrist, uh, news organization that, that has really tried to appear, uh, uh, balanced as much as possible. He just hates George Storm. Is it George Stormbropolis? Stromboopolis. Yeah. That's it. Right, they just hate him because they can't pronounce his last name, and like <laughs> I, 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 I sympathize. And multiculturalism, that. I can't pronounce his yeah. name. I figure they're just mad at John Gomeshi because his band that he was in before he got on CBC sucked so bad. They're just like, <laughs> we're gonna get revenge by ending you and your employer. No, now they like John Gomeshi though because he's all about classical liberal values when it comes to harassing women in yeah. the workplace. <laughs> I was gonna say John John, John Gomeshi basically he can he his only path to prominence again is to fight against Me Too, and so they love him. Yeah, of course. That's the only that's the only multiculturalism they like is that it's the the enemy of the enemy is my friend but against the me too movement because these are <laughs> the world's worst people. So um here's the last thing I want to talk about about the PPC which is about how the media are treating them. And Rob, you kind of prefigured that earlier where you said the CBC has been scrambling to the right to try to remain balanced um by just basically handing over hundreds of millions of dollars like taking out a reverse mortgage to give to the wallet inspector essentially. Um and uh, this is from an editorial in uh, the Toronto Star. Um, and this is from the... Uh, the I, I can't remember who the editor of the Toronto Star is, but he was basically justifying his decision to interview um, Bernier as a, serious, um, as a serious politician, even though he's polling on 3%. Andrew Phillips, that's, um, that is, that's what his name is. And so I've just got what he's written here. As a journalist, Phillips writes, I've interviewed and quote-unquote platformed hundreds, maybe thousands of people in dozens of countries, and many of them were appalling. They included murderers and terrorists, an IRA hitman in Belfast who wasn't shy about describing his killings, politicians and generals who were later found found guilty of carrying out genocide in Bosnia, and neo-Nazis in Germany and the politicians who fronted for them. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) 
Awesome. Cool. Uh, you have many cool friends. I'm jealous. But also, were you interviewing literal neo-Nazis in Germany as a German newspaper where those Nazis were running for government? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like oh, oh, interesting. You ran the campaign of the IRA hitman in Belfast to, like, run against the Sinn Féin candidate? Like, this is either, again, Andrew Phillips is transparently moronic or just wanting to sell papers. What do you think it is? I, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to shit on the star too much because the star does actually do a lot of quite decent journalism, and there are plenty of people that are quite good that work there. But oh, they protested, didn't they? Yeah. Many of the journalists protested the inclusion. So it's not the star that's stupid; it's Phillips that's yeah, stupid. Yeah, definitely. And and this is just this liberal bullshit that that the right has taken advantage of all over the world, whether it's here or the United States. And I think what really frustrates me about it is that this is never extended in the other direction. Like um, another example of what just happened here was was a few weeks ago, we had uh, uh, the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Globe and Mail, which is like the basically they kind of call themselves like the paper of record, and the editor of the Globe and Mail actually reached out to this guy Ezra Levant, who's this far right demagogue. I'd mentioned Rebel Media er uh, earlier. He's like he created Rebel Media, and he's like a really just a, a absolute scumbag, um, a racist. And they reached out to him to offer him an op-ed space to like talk about journalism and how like journalistic freedom is so, is so important and how, uh, oh, the liberals don't like him because he asks prickly questions were his actual words. Um, and you know, not because he like deliberately spreads misinformation in the wake of, uh, incel terrorist attacks and stuff. Um, but this is, it's the same kind of principle, right? Where it's like, well, you know, we're, we're not, we're not platforming these people, but we have to give them a, a chance to say what their ideas are. So reasonable people can then decide whether it's good or bad. And we kind of can't make that decision because that's, that wouldn't be what journalism is. Uh, and this idea has just been like pervasive all throughout journalism. It's like this rot infecting journalism all throughout the world that is, uh, keeps on providing these people with huge platforms to legitimize their ideas. And like I was saying before, it's never extended in the opposite direction. There's no like, you know, the Globe and Mail is not offering uh, op-ed space to like communists and like and anyone further left than the NDP. It only ever extends in one direction. And that when that keeps happening, it's this constant shifting of the Overton window where acceptable discourse just keeps getting pushed further and further to the right. And then you have situations like what we have now with uh, this like uh, party openly talking about like psychotic QAnon conspiracy theories are now being presented as this like legitimate political party. Uh, and and I think both of these these journal uh, like the editor of the Star and the Globe and Mail have both contributed to that with this kind of bullshit liberal got to hear both sides uh, idea. And and this is happening all over the world. The right is so good at taking advantage of it. And uh, you just you you start to wonder like when people are going to figure out what the game is, uh, but it just never seems to happen. Mm. Yeah, I mean we're having Cyborg Hitler on here next week. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. Uh, I'm sorry, I'd like the like the bourgeois capitalist pig I am. I'm actually late for it for a dinner engagement. I'm a socialist, <laughs> and yet I spend money. <laughs> Weird. Um, so uh, I'm going to have to post out. But uh, Rob, yeah. it was really nice to meet you. Same with you. Um, yeah. See you so soon. just uh, but further as to what you were saying, Rob, right? Where it's like. If I read from this a little more, I can see what what Phillips has said is he said we could decide to not platform Bernier, uh, and you can hear the scare quotes around that. I suppose that would mean not inviting him to speak at the to the editorial board, not having reporters and reporters and columnists interview him, and presumably not participating in any debate where he played a role. Effectively boycotting him, in other words, because we disapprove of his ideology. And you know what? The entire article could have been that paragraph. 
and then you just don't platform him, and it'd be like, "Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Thank you. You got it right. Hole in one. Hole in one, Mr. Phillips." Um, but what that shows to me is right, like that they have learned nothing from the last four years because what they say is, "Oh, well, that would get us applause for taking such a stand." But my bet is that a lot more people would quite rightly see it as a failure to live up to our basic journalistic duty of reporting fearlessly. But all he's doing is he's reporting in fear of people calling him left-wing biased. Yeah, and it's irresponsible in the end because, like, it's not just that you know um we we don't want to hear what bernie has to say because we're offended by his ideas or because of our political correctness but that these ideas represent an actual danger to marginalized groups in this in this country um to immigrants mm-hmm. and to refugees and things like this so it's not like you know it's not just this situation of oh you know we're so our 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 precious uh, sensibilities are offended by his his you know rough language or anything like that the reason that you know activists and people on the left don't want to give this guy a platform is because these ideas are dangerous to people that are 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 marginalized in this society. And that's just what these journalists never seem to understand. They always think because they take on board these criticisms from people like Bernier uh and they want to they want so desperately to prove that they're not this kind of like a uh, you know left-wing caricature that they get made out to be. Um, but then they ended up just like doing exactly like doing basically free advertising for these ideas. Um, I think it's also because in the past few years, like we connect, like the far right Canadian infrastructure is like really built up. So you have like things like rebel media, um, you have like the guys like Stefan Molyneux and like Lauren Southern and like, you know, a disproportionate number of like these far right groups. I guess like even Steven Crowder kind of classifies as one of them. And, you know, over the past kind of few months, uh, Bernier's like videos have kind of filled my not really filled my youtube page but you've seen them around and that's because he's get he's kind of been landing these um long long form interviews with youtube stars where he's able to be platformed for like long periods of time and basically position himself like out Dave as just Rubin. being yeah. yeah just like positioning positioning him out to be like this you know this kind of reasonable libertarian and i think for like people who understand this ecosystem the, the 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 kind of online infrastructure and how it works like all of this is like super obvious right like we can talk about this but what i found kind of and you know have you know working in like mainstream media environments is that you have editors who just like don't endless news people who just don't understand this infrastructure so for them it's kind of like well how can he be like a radical if he's got this huge fan base online and like he just says that he's like you know a classical liberal who just wants people to kind of live free from the government like you know where where do you see the whistle you know where do you see kind of the dog whistling there and you know that's not to kind of say that this is something kind of uniquely canadian like this is something that we're seeing everywhere including in this including in like the united kingdom right um, but it, you know, it goes to show just back to the point that like, yeah, no one has learned anything, but the people who are kind of like these vanguards of the media and people who, and media organizations that actually still have power, like newspapers still have influence, but they still kind of want to hold on to this idea of being like neutral arbiters where, you know, they can expose darkness and, you know, the kind of good stuff will just like float to the top automatically when, that like is far from the case it was definitely not the case back in 2000 and like 15 16 definitely definitely not the case now but i think it, you know to kind of un- for for like established newspaper editors to understand that they would have to really rethink how their entire like media model works and hussein that would be hard work so 
And work work is like work sucks. Yeah, that's our position. Work we're, sucks. I thought you were anti work. <laughs> but also, I think, and to just just to jump onto that with one other thing too, is that I think for the decision makers, this sort of like it becomes a kind of semantic debate. It becomes, uh, uh you know, one one style style of rhetoric versus another because those people are never from the communities that are affected, and and that's the thing that I think that drives me crazy is is just the extent to which invariably it's like oh but but racists might not like us and they might not believe this is like you know the athenian forum when it's like yes but these people are specifically calling to deport or to do you know to dehumanize other citizens of this country that they don't like which to be fair happened frequently in athens oh yeah I mean, it was, <laughs> like, the it athenian was, forum was never it was always like this um but i notice we're getting pretty close to time so uh rob any any final thoughts I think I pretty much got got everything out there that I wanted to, but I, yeah. I appreciate uh, having have being able to come on the show. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having Amazing. me. Amazing. Um, so if I was to have a final thought, it would just be that um, it'll be different this time. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the same thing that happened everywhere else where the with mainstream media and liberal media have dealt with these kinds of groups running the same playbook. I'm pretty sure it'll be different this time because Canada's different for reasons that we can't articulate right now. Yeah. Okay. And actually, my, my actual final thought is that as much as these liberal people, like liberals in the media that really try to bend over backwards to show how reasonable they are and prove to these these right-wing guys that they're not this character that they've been made out to be, as much as they ever try to do that, they will never earn their respect. They will never uh, get on their side. And there, I have no doubt that once the fascists do seize power in this country, uh, that they won't, they won't actually be uh, held up to these kind of rigid journalistic principles when it comes to free speech. And people will, in fact, be getting deplatformed. Uh, and so I, I think... It would be nice if people in the media, the in positions of power to to make these decisions could start to like come to this realization that like, oh, these people aren't our friends. They're actually like working against us. They're trying to undermine us. And maybe it's bad for us to help them do that. But I don't know. May, I, this is why I'm not like a big serious media person. So I don't know. This is why none of us are big serious media people. It only now falls to me, I think, to say, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Um, the pleasure is mine. And also to say, and to say to all you listening, thank you all so much for listening. And Rob, I want to give you an opportunity to plug your show too. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, the podcast is 49th Parahel, uh, which is available on SoundCloud and all the the uh, podcast apps. Uh, I cover uh, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. It's kind of a focus on Canadian politics, but I've done episodes on the, on the UK and I talk a lot about you know, Trump shit and, and whatever is kind of interesting to me that week. So you can check that out there. It's on Patreon. You can find me on Twitter.com at Rob Rousseau. And um, that, that's, all, that's my stuff. That's, that's all my stuff. So Australian Trash Future listeners, clear off. Nothing for you there. I have covered the Australian um, election no. as well. So. <laughs> just, just kidding, Australian <laughs> listeners. Please do listen yeah. to Rob's show. Um, also, uh, so. all our listeners, thank you. Thank you so much again for continuing to listen to our show. You can find second episodes every week on Patreon. Five bucks a month. You know the deal. I was going to say, uh, Milo had to depart, but Milo's got another smoke comedy at the Seckford Arms pub in Farringdon on the 9th of October at 8 p.m. A uh, friend of the show and longtime regular Olga Koch will be there, among others. So come to that show. There'll be a link in the show notes where you can purchase tickets. Um, also, Riley has been continually forgetting to say this, but our theme song is Here We Go by Jin Sang, who very, very graciously gifted it to us on the terms that we plug his music, and we failed to do that for like a year. So please go listen to Jin <laughs> Sings, here Canceled. we go on Spotify. It's a great tune. Indeed.
However, uh, you will notice that the end theme song this week is not Ginseng, Here We Go. It's actually our friend Wanya Wine's uh, new new song. It's out right now. Um, and it is, it's, it's called the NHS and you can listen to it on YouTube. Um, follow him. He's at 2K Wanya on Twitter. He's really good. Uh, and peep some of these shirts that you might see on some people in this video because they may be a little bit familiar to you. Um, and also on November 7th, keep it free in your diary. Uh, if you're in London, because we might just be doing a little something. So I think that's everything. So without further ado, Wanya Wine. <laughs> Chest. Yeah, I can chat about D.I.G. What David Jackson, he left his friend.